Jordan Green is with us today, and Jordan is a longtime friend of mine, freshman roommate, um, played on the Texas A&M basketball team together, along with Daniel, who is not here currently, should be joining us shortly, um, but had a lot of good times with this dude, and I'm glad he's here. Welcome, Jordan. Thank you, bro. It's <laughs> awesome to be here, and... Uh... Proud of what you're doing, bro. Hey, this is uh, this is just the beginning, hopefully. So, um, man, I would love for you to just kind of kick us off by, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're up to right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, as my man G Money said, you guys don't know that nickname. But that's what I call him. Uh, my name is Jordan Green. I'm currently residing here in Austin, Texas with my wife of five years and... We have a little boy who's now eight months old, which is a total handful, but he's the best handful I've ever asked for. So that is, uh, you know, my immediate where I'm at, where my head is at, all family. Um, outside of that, I work with a tech company, actually with Daniel at the moment um, called Bology, and we're doing some digital marketing, digital marketing things. We're doing some uh, just everything revolving around sport and technology. We're just trying to make it happen and make it work. Um, and then I played professional basketball for the past three years. Obviously, going through 2020, sports is uh, just up in the air. No one knows if it's a bubble, if it's a no fans, if it's whatever. So um, my professional basketball experience uh, was some amateur. So I wasn't in the NBA. I did play in the NBA Summer League two summers Um but I played for the Austin Spurs here in Austin in the NBA G League. And that's the affiliate of the San Antonio Spurs. And then I had a little short stint in uh, St. Chamon, France. So that was fun and interesting in itself. But yeah, that's me. Man. Uh, a lot of basketball. Um, and you played four years at Texas A&M. You, uh, I mean, as I was talking to you before we started recording, uh, you, you have a, a YouTube video uh, that's now, I just checked, 1.9 million views for a dunk you had. And I think it was your last game of high school? Yeah, last game of high school, yep. And and so that's, are you, are you getting any money for that, by the way? That's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> Not, because back then, who was thinking about YouTube? Literally, when we were in high school, I feel like, YouTube videos or dunk videos or highlights period were just becoming a thing on YouTube. Yeah. Especially my junior year and that happened my senior year. I just remember being in uh, just my friends' rooms, like watching YouTube of like old high school players, NBA players, and the quality was like that 240 yeah. picks. It was just terrible, but we were like, we get to watch on demand Kobe Bryant, like whoever we want to watch. Um, I did not have the foresight for that whatsoever. <laughs> and I don't know if in high school I could have set up a uh, way to get paid from that. I should, but yeah. it's, you know, there's something called like UIL rules with just being paid. And cause I've done a couple of things that I probably should have been paid for in high school, but you just couldn't receive off your likeness of basketball, but that's a totally different topic. So yeah, yeah that's an old classic video. Fun fact about that. We were playing against Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. And uh, that was that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did not dunk on Marcus Smart. I though. did not dunk on Marcus, <laughs> but I did give him buckets. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you did. You heard that, Marcus? He's a he's a great dude. Same city, so it was fun. Dude, um, 
Man, I, I kind of want to, there's a few things I definitely want to touch on because I know you only have an hour. Um, one other point you, you um, didn't mention, you worked at Ernst & Young for almost two years out of, uh, out of college, right? Yep, straight out of college, yeah, for two years, yeah. What was it like working for the, the corporate giant behemoth of, of EY? Yeah, that was interesting. Day one, they just stack a huge million-page binder on your desk and say good luck <laughs> yeah no but i mean it was <laughs> it was it was cool because um i actually got that job from connections from AM. you know AM is it's the uh what do they call it the um uh what is it not the aggie nation but what is it called like uh the aggie cult it is like an aggie <laughs> it is like an aggie cult but you know, just being able to be exposed to a lot of different um, boosters, donors, and people yeah. that just affiliate themselves with the team and um, got a chance to um, just meet with a few people that were in that industry. Um, finance, didn't go to school for it at all. I got I went to school for uh, leadership. That was my degree. So uh, very interesting degree. And then I minored in history and architectural history, which is a completely other thing. Just the only things I was interested in to get through school and because um, basketball is my total focus at the moment. Uh, when I stopped um, uh, going to school, graduated, uh, I didn't really know what to do. And I was getting married that summer, um, which Grant was at. And uh, it was interesting. I didn't really know which path to take. Should I go and play? Should I go and work? Uh, me and my wife at the time had been long distance for about two years. So we decided, hey, let's just try to be in one place together for a little bit because with sports, you never know where you're going to be traveling a lot. We didn't want to be away from each other um, and just set a, a good example um, and a good base and a start for our marriage. Um, so that led us to knowing certain people, getting you know interviewed uh, a couple million times, which is just how they do it. Um, it was fun. Uh, we were actually in, in, in downtown Dallas and just getting a commute off the dart, just the train. I mean, it was cool. Um, and then the work part of it, I was in over my head for about six months, just was quiet, most meetings and taking notes. And I find it interesting, the same tactics that I use for, or that I use to excel there, I'm using no matter what. And it's just make yourself available um, to be helpful. I can just put it that way. I, I read a book called The Go-Giver, I forget the name of the author, um, but it was just like, how can you make others uh, better? How can you serve others? And so I went there. I didn't know necessarily what my, they, in my opinion, they almost created that role, which is just such a blessing uh, for me. So there wasn't like a standard, hey, here's what your day-to-day is going to look like, which was interesting in itself. So I had to make myself useful. And the same tactics that I use for sports or biology that I'm doing currently is just to make yourself useful and what I mean by that is is basically with my boss and her boss, um, they needed, you know, work, which is crazy on Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoints, all the technology stuff. So whenever they had to make a, you know, a, a big decision or presentation, and I even coded and built websites. So, yeah, it was it was really interesting. Should I cut it or? All right. Yeah, some good stuff. DA is with us now as well. DA, how's it going? It's going great. Thankful to be here with you you both. You you both are so awesome. <laughs> You're such cool people. We are. We are uh we're just to, to catch you up to speed, um 
we were getting a little bit into the Ernst and Young lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Jordan just sounded so enthusiastic about his time there, his tenure, and all the uh, just the great times that he that he spent. But I kind of want to circle back because I think it's rare that we'll ever interview a you know professional basketball player and someone who's spent so much time like you have on the court. Being the protagonist podcast, we we love highlighting, or the goal is to highlight people that um, you know are, are leading their life in a certain direction and not just accepting what is given to them. Um, and I, I know I know you embody that, and so I'm I'm pumped, and I, I want to kind of start maybe from not the beginning, but at least maybe high school. Like, how did how did that you know, what was basketball like for you in high school growing up? What were the circumstances there? How, you know, how was even the game maybe introduced to you and kind of just take us maybe from, from the beginning? Yeah, well, that's a, man, it's good that you even asked this because it's good to always go down memory lane. Um, my dad introduced me to the sport of basketball. We played, growing up, uh, we lived in five different states, um, so whenever we moved, I didn't really have a good friend, you know, or a, you know, group of people that I could just hang out with. So it was just me and my dad playing sports for a little bit. And then I would find people my of my age who would play sports. Um, but when we lived in Indiana, that's when I started playing basketball. I was around the age of four. And Indiana is known for basketball, just like Texas is for football. So they literally worship basketball. So everyone's taught the fundamentals at a really high, uh, you know, level and um, I remember just my first camp, it was called the Billy Keller camp. And he's like a shooting guru um, that played in the ABA, coached with the Pacers, I believe, and coached, you know, just everywhere. And he just taught the correct form and the skills and fundamentals for basketball. So my dad introducing me, then just going from camp to, you know, playing the YMCA, uh, stories that my dad tells me, you know, just kind of picking the game up naturally. And then I just loved um, playing because I would go on Saturdays to watch my dad play pick up, you know, at, at the local Y. And it just came, it came kind of natural because my dad played collegiate basketball and he always had basketball or some type of sport on TV. Um, fast forwarding to high school, even I think we can go to middle school. I, I transitioned from living in Michigan at the time to in seventh grade, now moving to Texas. And that was a big jump for me because obviously bigger state, didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, I thought there was going to be tumbleweed everywhere and cowboys. I was really naive. Um, is there not? <laughs> is that not what Texas is like? No. Big big uh, belt buckles. Um, but when I when I came here, just the athletes and how people play the game is just different from up north. It's just a lot more athletic, a lot more, you know, just bigger players. And I think they take sports more seriously down here, to be honest. It's like an industry, high school sports. Yeah. And so basically what ended up happening was uh, getting here, getting a chance to be like trained one-on-one -on -one was a big thing. Um, and then going into high school, my biggest thing was getting a scholarship and getting a chance to, you know, not have my parents have to pay for college. Um, that was a big driving force of, you know, just putting in extra work. Um, and then my dad just continually going to the gym with me, you know, late at night or um, me going to school extra early to get shots up, things like that. And, I had a great friend group who, you know, we could have done anything, you know, um, but we decided to just love the game all together. And we had like four or five seniors in the high school 
And uh, we didn't, we'd all ended up playing together in varsity, you know, for that last year. But we just always loved going to the gym, loved going to Lifetime, just sitting there, you know, would play for two hours, hop in the hop tub, dry out, go back and play for two hours. So it's always been something that's always brought me great joy. Yeah. A lot of times, um, you know, when, when parents get involved and, and push a particular thing on, on their kid, it can feel like you're living out someone else's dream. Mm-hmm. Did you ever feel that with basketball or was it something that you just loved right away? Yeah, I think I think it was twofold. I think um, at some point in high school, um, I had a big contention or uh, almost like a discrepancy with uh, a teacher because it was like a newspaper class or something like that. And I was writing a story about basketball and then he like saw my dad at a uh, at a gas station and my dad was like, he said, oh, you're Jordan Green's dad. And he was like, oh, do you, my dad brought up basketball because literally that's all he talks about. Um, but <laughs> when I came back to class, he was like, you're just playing basketball. He was very, I don't know, you know, some people that hold a, a, a title in your life, like a teacher or a mentor or whatever that you have to submit to, they have a lot of power over their, over their words to you. Um, um, and now I'm learning as I'm getting older, you have, cho- you have a choice to listen to that or not. But um, I was submitted, you know, to those questions and those opinions in high school. And he was like, you just play the game of basketball because your dad does. And, and it, I never thought about it like that. But if it wasn't for him, I probably wouldn't have picked the game up, which is not a bad thing, like you're saying. But the good thing is, um, you know, my dad never made me play. He just he played himself and that's what he loved to do. And so obviously every young boy with a great father, you know, you just want to follow in your father's footsteps. Um, it became a point too in high school where I did want to like give up because um, in freshman year they were like I played JV and uh, my sophomore year was coming up and they were like you're probably gonna have to play another year of you know you know for, uh, JV or whatever you're not good enough to like do this and that and it was a it was a voicemail that the coach had sent to my dad and my dad like played it out loud and I was like you know what this is this is just you know not fair because I felt like I was good enough um, and I took like maybe like a month off and I really tried to decide, okay, do I really want to do this or, or not? And then when I made my mind up, we just went extra hard. And that was a huge shift just from that point, a year later being like ranked in the top 10 of Texas and then getting all your offers and stuff. It was a crazy, like 52 weeks. So, so that was your sophomore year. Yeah. When you, you played JV your freshman year. Yeah. And then your coach left this voicemail, which is a weird thing to do that you were going to play JV potentially another year. Right. And then you made this decision. It sounded like to say F it, like I'm going to go all in and work my ass off. Yeah. How did, like, how did you make even that decision? Cause that's the, that's the more difficult. If I got a voicemail like that, especially at that age from an adult, cause you brought up like a, someone who has a voice, you know, they're in a position of authority. They're like, Hey, you're not good enough for this year or whatever, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, he must know. Yeah. He's an adult. You know, <laughs> I got to do something else. <laughs> but for whatever reason, you took some time, evaluated, and went, yeah, I'm interested to know, too, like, why why did you do that? Um, I, I really looked up to Kobe Bryant growing up. I really looked up to Michael Jordan, obviously, my name being Jordan. My dad claims that I was not named after Michael Jordan, but I Relax. was born yeah. in Chicago <laughs> in the 90s. So <laughs> I'm Jordan because of, you know, the bald guy. But... Basically, um, kind of get into that decision was um, just my mom. She has been such a huge rock in my life. And 
she prays a lot. That's a big thing in our family and in my own personal life too, is just my belief and uh, in Jesus Christ. And it kind of just came down to a fact of I didn't, so what I just previously spoke about, getting a chance, understanding I have to listen to somebody under authority or I have the opportunity to, you know what, I'm actually not gonna receive those words. I'm actually gonna live that out. And so in, in bits and pieces, I, I, I book, I bucked up against people's opinions of me. And I feel like that was a good decision. Um, how I came to the decision was, um, I remember this kind of vividly now that we're talking about it, but I was just in my parents' room and I kind of like cried. And uh, my mom was like, you know, you don't have to do anything. Like you can just, you know, go to school. You, you don't, why do you feel the pressure? And I was like, I just know that like I'm called to do this. And I couldn't, you know, explain that. Um, and then I went upstairs and watched Through the Fire by, with Sebastian Telefair. <laughs> and uh, as a kid, you know, you just want to do what you enjoy and love. There were, I had no other responsibilities. I wanted to continue to play. I had no vision, really. I had a goal of, you know, getting a scholarship, you know, um, but I had no vision for what a professional life would be like in sports. It was just a decision to continue to do what I loved. Yeah. And you said you, you said you felt like that calling and you mentioned before, you know, you really wanted to get a scholarship and, and get college paid for and kind of maybe take that uh, that financial burden off of your parents plate. Was that the primary force of what drove you to feel so convicted about pursuing basketball and, and like taking the next step and butting heads against what your coach is now saying that you're you know, only good enough for JV? I mean, was that was that a big part of it or what what was like that driving force for you? I think I think it was a collection of all of them. I think that <clears throat> just seeing my sister, she went out of state college and graduated and just seeing her go through that. I know I wanted to go to college um, and then my love of basketball has always really been there. And uh, I, I would just say that something that I've just done since I've been able to walk, uh, I, I can't kind of get away from it, even if it's playing, coaching, whatever. I know that my life will be attached to the game of basketball, however, and then I can serve people like we spoke about er earlier, serve people, um, encourage people. And um, in my in my walk, in my, in my life is to glorify God through the game of basketball. So um, I would say that it was a collection of all of them. I feel like it wasn't the initial force. I think once I started getting back into it, I needed to find more motivation and more you know, uh, wood to put in the fire. Uh, I don't think it was like, I have to play basketball because I want to get a scholarship. It wasn't that it was, it was like, Hey, this is what I do. This is who I am. And, uh, just keep going. And then along the way, I realized, you know what, I can actually get a scholarship for this. I can get, I can be pretty good. How about that be one of my goals? I mean, I had many goals, McDonald's American stuff that I didn't accomplish. Um, but it was, it was just, I would say a collection of all of them. Yeah. So what happened after after that? You made that decision. Did you you start training even more diligently, and and you, did you end up making varsity that year? Yeah. So basically, what ended up happening was I think that was like after freshman year. Um, when does basketball season stop? I mean, maybe March, April for high school. So got that voicemail and <clears throat> took those two months to um, before like AAU summer basketball starts, which is like normally, <clears throat> excuse me, May or June or something like that. I took those two months before. Um, so if we ended in March, uh, I don't know the exact timeline, but I just <clears throat> did everything extra. So if we had practice or a workout or my friends went up and played, 
I did that, you know, I was super engaged in that, but then I would either come before practice, like before school, or I would go after school and I would shoot just a lot. I would just shoot a lot of extra shots and then put in just more than what everyone else was doing. That's my biggest thing I tell people now is like, if you want to be great at something, you have to do more than what the average person is doing. So that's, uh, that was like the biggest decision. And then, uh, which was crazy, um, just the full circle. Then I actually picked up uh, going to an AAU team, uh, which was a huge thing for me. It was my first like official AAU team. Um, and it was called the Dallas Heroes at the time. And uh, it was like Mark Cuban's AAU team. So we got a lot of exposure, got to travel to all these places. Um, but my dad, I, I credit all that to my dad because he had to make like a lot of phone calls to just get me a tryout. Then I went to the tryout. This is during the summer. Um, went to the tryout with just one guy who was a top player in Dallas and, you know, outdid him in the workout, got on the team, started traveling, got more like, um, I guess, eyes on my game and things like that. And then, you know, in the in December, made, ended up making varsity. And then in December, they put out like some rankings or something like that like the top sophomores and I was rated like top 10 in the state and I had no idea that was like my dad actually went all the way to the bottom of 150 kept going up kept going up and I stopped looking (laughs) at like 50 I was like okay I'm obviously not in the top 50 my dad was like let's just go let's just look and so we both were like shocked to see that was like number eight at the time so that was a huge shift um for me and my thinking and I think maybe when I realized I was like one of the top players that probably motivated the scholarship thing too, like to, to, to continue to try to do that. But cause you could see it was possible. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Man. One thought that I wanted to just say is you said that was a big decision that you made to, to play, but it's also a really small decision at the same time. Like you said, you didn't have the motivation that you got along the way. It was like, your mom said, hey, you don't have to play. So no pressure in that sense. This isn't your fate necessarily. Mm-hmm. You know, you can just be a normal kid. So that kind of lets you take a breath. And then you were able to look at it and be like, you know what, I will. And so I feel like what you're saying is it's it's um, it ended up being a huge decision. But like that's inspiring, I think, for me and anyone else young, you know, dudes who are looking to make something of themselves, whatever that means to them. Sometimes I feel like you have to have this really deep why, or you have to like know exactly why you're doing it and who you're doing it for, who's your motivate, like all of that. I want to go to college and you're just in middle school. I'm, I'm, it's interesting just to hear you say like, it wasn't all that at first, you know, it was just like that next. Yes. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's go to the gym and and work on it. You know, and then another yes, you know, let's let's go to this tryout, yeah. you know, that that's that's a beautiful just like snapshot to me of, of the journey as opposed to let me just envision this final kind of product and try and pre- pretend that I'm there or will myself there. It's it, that doesn't at least for me that that makes me feel crushed because it seems so far away. You're looking at a huge mountain and I got to do that now. So it's really cool to see your. The process from maybe not going to play JV to top 10 in in a matter of a year, two years, right? Yeah, yeah. College is looking at you. Like your whole life can change in one year, you know? Yeah. That's that's all. That's inspiring, you know? And, and Flower Mound, too. I mean, like there's been some ballers to come out. Not, of, but it's not, not really after me. <laughs> no, we, yeah. had, we had uh, 
but it's not no one has really done that you know what i mean like very true very true was that the moment that when you saw yourself in the top 10 you're like oh shit like i'm i am great like i i do have that potential to to make this something more than just even high school or or aau is was that was that kind of like the the waking up moment for you a little bit i think it was just more of uh man just really a really special moment between me and my dad like i didn't really understand rankings or anything but i did know that if you were highly rated you would probably get a scholarship um and so it was just a lot of it was like a uh i don't want to say validation um because i actually didn't like dwell on it a lot um i just went back to work so it was just more motivation to keep going, honestly, yeah. and to keep pressing in. Yeah. Dang. So you play, you know, through AAU, junior, senior year. Um, what was that? What was that experience like? You said. Yeah, I mean, once you get rated, Daniel knows. Shoot, you do too, Grant. You get the target on your back, and so people always want to go even harder against you, and the other opposite crowds are yelling, you know, everything they can against you, and then you get. To me, it's a blessing, you know, with the target on your back, just like the Warriors have or when LeBron plays, whoever, any great player, um, you get everyone's best shot. So it's actually making them better. So, like, the reason why LeBron is so good, part of it, I believe, is because everyone goes so hard against them. Like, think about any great player. Like, they're getting their uh, tools sharpened at a higher rate than anyone else because the guy guarding them is like, hey, here's your assignment. You have to guard Damian Lillard all game. And so, like, Damian Lillard is getting someone's best shot, you know, for a whole yeah. game. So I think that helped. And uh, just, you know, I made my decision to go to A&M um, that summer, my sophomore, so, so, between sophomore and junior year. I uh, got to meet Daniel at that time and just saw the facilities at A&M. So I made that decision pretty early in my recruiting uh, process. And then my senior year was all, you know, just trying to be the best I can be and get prepared for school. So that was <clears throat> that was that was like a good two years where I knew that I was established um, to be a good player in the state and in the country and then got a chance to, you know, just get better from there. Yeah. So what was it like, you know, in the in the interest of I guess half an hour an hour, maybe less that we have once you get to A&M, like obviously we all play together uh, for at least a year or two. Um, what 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 was it like once you get to A and M? How was that transition for you going from high school scouted, you know, highly recruited, committing early? Now you're at A and M. Just walk us through what that was like. Yeah, that was a big change. I mean, we all know, like we, I don't know, were you recruited by Mark Turgeon or did you, did you go in thinking Mark Turgeon was going to be the coach? Yeah, yeah. technically, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, basically. You know, I'm thinking I'm going to play for a guy named Mark Turgeon, who's now in Maryland for two years. And I remember being at a workout my senior year, um, just getting ready to leave. It was between the, the you know, getting ready to be a freshman. And uh, I just signed my letter of intent, like maybe a week ago. And um, my dad, I see my dad on the sidelines and he kind of looks like a little distraught or like confused. And they're like, the dads are talking. Um, Cause and, you, and you know, that can only be about basketball, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Cause he ain't talking about something else. He's not talking about basketball. It's all basketball. So uh, we actually paused the workout cause my trainers were like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on? And they literally took me to the side and were like, Hey, the coach left. Like, you know, you're probably going to have to make a decision to go somewhere else or whatever. So that was like a huge thing. Like, wow. do I continue to go or do I stay? And 
you know, that was, you know, we were all coming in with, you know, that guy Jamal Branch that we ended up rooming with. Um, so it was like a huge decision to make whether to come. I, I think that that was a pretty big decision, whether, whether to continue on um, because they hired Coach Kennedy, which I picked up the phone for the first time and heard his voice. And if you hear his voice, like, I didn't know if he was black or I didn't, I didn't like, I just never seen him or heard of him before. And, you know, he's kind of like a Southern guy. And so from New Orleans, right. And, uh, or Louisiana, somewhere in there. And, you know, we had such a good roster. I mean, Chris Middleton was our best, our best player that year. We had so many good players. We were predicted to win the big 12 that year. I was like, okay, the coach, definitely doesn't have that much like difference if we're that good and that loaded. Um, and I wanted to play against really good competition. That's why I, you know, chose A&M and the guards that they've had, they made it to the, uh, what was the tournament for like four, eight years straight, whatever it was. Um, so that was a huge decision. I think in my journey to continue on because I said, I, I committed to what I was, you know, committed to and signed and, you know, a couple of coaches and players wanted me to go somewhere else. And my dad was, you know, thinking, Hey, do you still want to go there? Um, but I was like, Hey, we, we have a really good team. I love the distance. You know, my parents can't just, you know, sneak up on me. They got to call me to, to four hours away, but they can see every game if they want to. Um, and then, you know, when we first got there, I mean, we, me and Grant literally moved in and got everything situated at our apartment. It was like a huge slap in the face. I feel like in some ways with the amount of work, you feel like you put in a lot of work and then it gets to the next level and you're right back at the bottom um, to restart and build yourself, you know, back up. And that freshman year was tough, man. That summer, no one was on campus. We were just there eating McDonald's and whatever we did back then, um, you know, made some interesting personal decisions along the way and, you know, just tried to work my butt off. And uh, we had a really good uh, GA, graduate assistant that year. I remember just going into freshman year, uh, Dominique Kirk. He was like a huge mentor to me. Um, and he was like, if you want to get on the court, because I, I didn't, I did want to compete for a spot, but I knew we had Najee Hibber, we had Elson Turner, we had so many guys. And uh, I was like, I'm probably not going to see the court, but let me just, like we talked about before, make uh, myself useful. Um, and so I wanted to guard Chris and practice and find out, find a way to make myself useful on the team. And I think I got like a defensive mind um, going into that freshman year and that helped me just solidify my role to keep things simple. Like I don't have to think about scoring or whatever. That's someone else's job. All I can, all I care about is just chasing somebody around and putting a hand up. That's not too complicated. So that was fun. Uh, and that was a huge challenge for me and a huge wake up call. Mm. But the part that you're leaving out is you started your freshman year. Some games. Yeah. <laughs> So that like that that just shows you know your your focus to simplify and focus on what you can control in that way like paid off yeah. you know so yeah though though obviously you do start over like they recognize I think just because you know I remember you coming coming in with I what I remember is just like a reckless abandon didn't seem like you were afraid to you know guard Chris and a lot of people are a lot of people in the NBA right now are afraid to guard Chris you know right. he's an NBA All Star so. Um, you know, whether it was ignorance or just this innate confidence that you had either way, it, you know, it paid off. Yeah. It was just the defiance of like, you know, I'm not going to be, um, I'm going to find a way to make it on the court. One, number two, I'm just going to, uh, try to stay there and talking to Dominique, that's outside. I give credit to him. Um, he just let me know if you want to play, you got to play defense and, yeah, that first start was at home, I think. And then we played at Madison Square Garden, got a chance to start there. That was insane. Played against some really good talent. 
Rodney Hood's in the NBA. I know a lot of guys on their team, they had what, Renardo, Sidney. Like, they had huge guys. But it was playing at Madison Square Garden. That was crazy. And uh, getting a chance to to start there was a little overwhelming for me as a freshman. But it was it was cool, and I'll never forget it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember um, one of the memories I'll, I'll never forget is, you know, we roomed together, and our schedule was – insane obviously first you know go in the mornings yeah an hour maybe hour and a half of conditioning strength training go to class you know come back in the afternoon at around three you got two and a half three hour practice go to study hall you know grind through all that bs get home and then i i remember it was maybe every night but a lot of nights you i would hear you leaving you know to go around nine ten o'clock at night to go shoot more at the gym after all that like how did you you know how did you even have the energy the salmon or is your mind at when you're making this decision to go get up extra shots and eating mcdonald's like how do you have the energy to do <laughs> i don't know I, I think i had mcflurry on the way <laughs> with a large fry sugar rush. um i remember uh my first day being dropped off there my parents dropped me off and uh put some clothes i think up or whatever and i just was like I got to get in the gym. Like that was just my MO, like stay in the gym, put your head down, keep working. And, you know, looking back at that version of me, um, because, you know, we're like a software update. I'm 27. So I'm like version 27 right now. Yep. <laughs> looking at tw- 18 Jordan. Um, I just, I really loved the game. I really loved the opportunity to get better. And it was just a, such a sweet gym. You could like plug your phone up and have your music playing the loudspeakers they had every tool um, in front of you. And I think that's another conversation to be had. But uh, in college, I mean, they don't give you money. They give you a scholarship, but then they give you every tool to get better um, and try to squeeze every ounce of anything out of you. So uh, I had everything, you know, there that I wanted, like a shooting gun or any I had, you know, they had like 20 basketballs there, heavy balls, like whatever. And uh, the energy and in in the stamina part, I feel like. That was just how I got there. So I know in order to, you know, push myself um, to get to a higher level while I'm there, I have to do more than what everyone else is doing. But what I find interesting about that comment, too, is like every time I would go in the gym at night, there was one other guy in there. It was Chris Middleton. He was always he was always there. I remember shooting with his hat on, with his watch on, G-Shock. I'm like, who is this, <laughs> who is this dude like? He didn't say anything to me, never invited me to come shoot with him. What He was always doing his own thing. And then I, you know, would just go in there, put my head down, put some work in. And I feel like it was just purely out of the love of the game. That's one. And then, I mean, I just, I knew I didn't want to sit the bench. I wanted to make it to the NBA once I got to that point. And so in order to get better, I knew I needed to work hard. And eventually Chris invited me to work out with him later on that year. But when I first got there, I was a chump. So... <laughs> <laughs> I want to know really quickly, too, because you mentioned, Chris, you know, you've gotten to play with another NBA player, Alex Caruso, for a couple of years as well. Are there similarities um, in the kind of person that you think it takes to get to the NBA or, you know, how, how would you draw those lines? I know Alex and Chris have different personalities, but there I think there are some common denominators between them. What do you think? Yeah, I think that they actually do have different, they have a lot of differences, uh, but they actually have a lot of similarities, I think, more. Um, they took, the, I think they held the game of basketball with an open palm. And what I mean by that is they didn't really let too many things um, take over their joy or their mindset. 
about the game one and then what they thought of themselves. Number two, um, I remember Chris, you know, getting injured that first year. That's how I got a, a, an opportunity to start. If he wouldn't have got hurt, I don't know what would have happened. Excuse me, but you know, he ended up getting hurt and it didn't, it did phase him because I know he wanted to get drafted. He came back, you know, to try to get a higher, you know, draft stock. Um, but to me, he did everything he could to just do the next thing, you know, to get better, to shoot in a chair, whatever he needed to do. Um, but he didn't, he never changed his opinion of, of himself and uh, where he could be, where he could play. I remember um, after his junior year, which was my freshman year, they were, I know the coaching staff and people were like, don't go, you didn't have a good year, you're not gonna get drafted, you barely played, yada, yada, all the excuses. And I remember just talking with him because he was the guy that put like I, I was uh, he was the guy who took me on my official visit. And that was a whole thing. Like, I'm not a big party guy or anything, but we literally sat in his apartment. And, I'm you know, when you put, take a recruit out, that's like a huge thing. You need to you know throw out the red carpet. We literally just went to the gym, came back to his apartment and he fell asleep. And I just watched basketball and fell asleep. It was it was so weird. But. <laughs> And not exciting whatsoever. And guys were like, dude, what'd you end up doing? And I was like, I just. You're like, I seen the college visits on He Got Game. Was it, was no, it like that? <laughs> I, I literally just was chilling. But uh, when I say open poem, it's it's similar to Alex. Um, Alex had a huge passion for the game. He's a little bit more passionate than Chris is. You know, Chris, he's a little bit laissez-faire. And, but he has an inner, you know, drive. And, you know, he, you know, he goes hard. He works hard. But he also... Um, it doesn't seem like anything phases him. You just steady. Yeah, consistent. Steady. The same, the same with Alex, but just in a different way. He's a little bit more passionate. His emotions are kind of on his face. Um, and but he held the game with the open palm too, where it was like, hey, I'm here to n- not only uh, have fun, get better. Um, he didn't necessarily spend too much time in the gym, like extra and stuff like that. Um, but whenever he was in the gym, he went extra hard, you know, um, he was always, you know, one of the first in, in, uh, any type of drills and conditioning and, um, but he never changed his opinion of himself after any turnover. He came in the same thing like me freshman year and ended up starting and playing at a high level just because he made himself useful on defense, got a lot of steals. Uh, but he once never changed his opinion about himself. And then two, uh, he didn't let, you know, certain things face him. Coaches yelling at him like, hey, correct your playing style. Stop passing. Stop, you know, cutting. when We're not telling you to cut, things like that. And now you look at him, NBA champion, doing those things with the greatest player, you know, you know, LeBron. So, I mean, it's just it's it's inspiring to see. And those are kind of the similarities I saw that, you know, maybe some other people didn't have. They They had an inner drive. They wanted to get better. I think Alex has maybe developed a little bit later on. Um, but they just never changed their opinion of like, I feel like during my time, I was always trying to maybe please people and trying to, Oh man, I just need to do this. Maybe, you know, I can get some opportunity there. And they were like, I'm just going to be me. I'm gonna work hard and let the chips fall where they may. Let me ask you this then in response to that version 27 updated Jordan, you know, because I know you doesn't as much, you know, if at all live for other people. How did how do how does someone get out of that, you know, out of that mindset of Chris Middleton, Alex Crusoe, they they seem to know who they are. They know that they're hoopers and they know they're going to the NBA. And even they have, you know, these, uh, you know, coaches and, you know, pundits of basketball, you know, saying, oh, he's not going to get drafted. He's, 
you know, all that. People who I you you would think know the game of basketball, and they're just wrong. You know, they're just completely wrong. And um, same with you know Alex Caruso and you know whatever people want to say there. And yeah. you know he's he plays significant minutes on the best team in the world. Yeah, you he know, was undrafted. I mean, yeah, like, Daniel he, Hollis. I'm pretty sure was undrafted. He I played with him. He plays starts with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Jalen Jones has been an NBA player for many years. Yeah. Played with him. So, yeah. so how does how does somebody come out of that, like, trying to – you said please people. I'm not sure what other language would be helpful because it probably reveals itself in different ways for different people. For sure. Um, but how, how do you get out of that and, and just, like, own your own stuff? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a mentality of just, like, looking over your shoulder, you know, like, ooh, is this going to bother someone if I do this or – it's a little timidity, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I mean, I struggle with this still to this day. Um, version 27, I feel like, is the furthest along at it. And I know what I want. And I know um, that it doesn't really matter, you know, what anyone else thinks. Um, and that's like a literally up to day to day mindset, you know. I, I don't know if I had that even like this time last year. I'm still struggling with it. But I feel like you you get out of it by, man, some things that are just, they sound so cliche, um, but they're extremely helpful is, you know, what I talked about, how, you know, Alex or Chris or Daniel is just kind of the same way, even Jalen. In order to not let your opinion of yourself be changed, you have to tell yourself your opinion of yourself. I don't know if those guys did, you know, confess things over themselves, but you know, for me, I have like affirmation words that I, that I have to say over myself every day. You have to train your mind. Some things that I was reading, you know, today and, and yesterday was um, a lot of our brains, obviously, were triggered by what we see. You know, we have two eyes. I'm just thinking this maybe not make sense at all, but like we have two ears and, you know, we have one mouth. So like what we what we say over ourselves is so key. And we have one mouth to speak out of, you know, and those things and reading those things over yourself and not if, if it doesn't align if the, if the opinion of yourself doesn't align with what someone is saying you don't have to receive it you know and uh i feel like i've made growth in that area i know a lot of guys that i've kind of read about this year going into the draft they actually speak words of affirmation over themselves so that's one thing um that i think is really helpful and then two would be honestly in order not to please someone, it's, it's, you don't have, you, you're not thinking about in the moment, how is someone going to react to this? Wow. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going through, we've talked about this, Daniel, a lot. You're in the flow state where you're just doing what you're doing. You're not thinking about what you're doing. You know, we're here in the podcast. I'm kind of thinking about what I'm talking, but I'm really just trying to talk. I'm not trying to please you guys with my answers or anything like that. I'm just hanging out with my friends and trying to speak what's in my heart and my mind. And I feel like those two things of just, being head first, eyes focused forward, not looking behind. I know uh, uh, two years ago, I got a chance to like really make uh, a big splash in the G League and start and play significant minutes after we won the championship. And I remember the first game, uh, I shot like an air ball and I was so down on myself. I was like, dude, this whole summer I worked so hard and my first shot is an air ball. And I looked over to the coaches and I was like, it's my bad. I like patted my chest and I, I looked over to them and I said, that's my bad. They said nothing to me, right, the rest of the game. The next day in practice, this the head coach and the assistant coach came up to me, and they were like, hey, don't ever do that again. Like, don't ever say my bad or I'm sorry on the court. Like, our what we think of you does not matter whatsoever. Like, you have to be 
focus on what you're doing within the game. So those two things of, you know, not letting your opinion be changed, not letting the opinion of yourself be changed by anybody else, and then not looking over your shoulder and, and weren't wondering what people think about you in the moment. Man, so it's like the the belief that you have about who you are remains the same, even though an, an air ball might look like somebody maybe from the outside who wasn't working on their game all summer. This is their first shot and it's an air ball. That's supposed to be a mate or whatever. So that, I mean, requires training right there because that's that catalyst crisis moment where like my identity's on the line, who am I? And if you're thinking about so much of that, you're in a game. This is not the time to be doing identity work, right. you know? Right. Um, but that, but that's hard, you know, to, to just like have that come up. And, um, you know, so I, what, I, what I hear you say, man, is that there's no substitute. There's no quick fix for just like working through it. Like there's not a, uh, you know, you said it's not a process of looking over the shoulder, but you said it's a daily process. You know, you've got affirmations that you speak over yourself and then you live up to that. You embody those truths. And um, that to me is inspiring as opposed to you claiming you got some secret sauce that no one else has. And if they just, you know, and I, subscribe and I, I don't on do whatever. Every day. I wish I was more proactive on speaking over myself. Like there's some days my kid is waking up at 5 a.m. and I'm just going and I'm going. I'm not taking the time to to meditate on those words or to, you know, uh, be mindful of who I am in that day. You know, and no one's perfect, but you're right. It is a daily thing. And I think those who make those necessary sacrifices daily is it, it, are who turn out to be, you know, the most successful. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Cause I, I feel like on the other end of the spectrum, there's like the Fabian Harris's of the world who are unconsciously just throwing up. Like they will forget their con like their, their memory is basically last three seconds yeah. and they just keep playing. They don't care if they just miss the last 10 threes, they're shooting the next one. Like they, made the last they don't care 30. that the coach says hey Fabian, you're not helping us right now <laughs> like even that even like constructive no. criticism and feedback just in and out which i actually would rather have that you know going through where i would land definitely more on the introspective constantly evaluating what does this person think about me yeah. where do i stand with them do they believe in me and at the end like who cares if they believe in you whether they do or not that's cool but like it doesn't matter um Ultimately, yeah. um, so man, in 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 wrapping it up, you Jordan, I'll just say this: I feel like embody what it means to be a protagonist. You know, in your own in your own life, and having gotten to know you, you know, for the past ten years or so, and just seeing that consistency, long consistency in a particular direction, and there's been tweaks to that, and there's been, but I feel like you've never wavered in being fully present in each moment of your life, and the story that your life is telling is a beautiful one. And there's going to be a lot of these moments that I think you can look back on and share these nuggets of wisdom with people who are wanting to follow in your footsteps and shoot, you're going to do the same for your kid. And then you want him to even go beyond that. And that's inspiring. That, that is what a, who a protagonist is, is somebody who goes on this journey, comes back to their community with the gold and tells them how they can do that and more. Um, so really appreciate you just speaking honestly, as you always do, and just sharing not just the highlights, you know, that's one of the things that Grant and I have really want talked about. Like, we don't want to just hear like, bro, you crushed it, this, you just crushed it. It's all about just like hard work and like there, not that that's not true, but you also shared, you airballed your first shot of the season. You, you know, did, you were going to 
make JV again as a sophomore and you have these hopes of making it to the NBA, that doesn't make sense. All of that stuff, it gives us a more complete picture of who you are and where you're headed. So we, we appreciate you, bro. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Um, do you guys feel like uh, in the, the hero's journey that you can go back to a place that you've been before? Or do you think that it's something that you just are going along and now you're further just because you're living longer? Or is there some stage in your life where you go back to a place maybe that you've been before and for lack of a better term, get tested on the same type of test, but it just looks different. You guys feel like that's possible? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the beautiful thing about the whole framework is that, that, that circle of that, the circular journey never stops and it can repeat itself. Uh, the, the same patterns can emerge. And the only way that you really become, you know, a true protagonist, I guess, and, and the, the kind of phrasing that we're using it here is, by recognizing, you know, your past shortcomings and then shortening that loop for the future occurrences so that you, you're accelerating and growing um, and transforming. So um, I think, you know, kind of in the vein of what we were just talking about with, you know, being unconscious in the moment, relying on all the preparation that you that you did to get to that point and, and just flowing with it. And then you have to, once the game's over, watch film, like yeah. reflect, take feedback from your coach and your mentors, and then shorten that loop so that you don't airball, you know, the next time. Right. Um, and so I think that's, that's all part of, of the process. And um, clearly, man, like, I, I really wish we could have dove in more into, you know, your journey from going to college four years, you're in Ernst and Young, right? And then you, you take on this whole new journey of going pro for the past three years, which is incredible. Um, we'll have to bring you back on part two, man. part two, yeah, part uh, two. volume two, volume two <laughs> version 27. You kind of just in closing, you kind of speak of, you know, shortening the loop and overcoming your past, you know, shortcomings and <clears throat> shameless. It's not even a shameless plug. It's just, it, it is who I am. And um, my, my cousin who won the NBA championship this year, um, Danny green, um, getting a chance to talk to him, um, because he's a shooter and a lot of that is mental, you know, on the court, um, with basketball, you know, your job is to make shots. And once you're labeled as a shooter, that job becomes even harder because now you're not going to get the same looks of what you just or what you did before to be labeled a shooter. So it's always interesting, like a Duncan Robinson or a Tyler Hero to see their next year when they get the respect of the whole league, um, what their percentages look like, what their game looks like. Uh, I know for Danny, they they lost that huge NBA Finals uh, to the Heat. Um, and he was shooting lights out that whole um, finals. And he has like this diamond encrusted like Savorsky. How do you say that? I don't know what that diamond company is called. Um, but huge diamond encrusted ball because he broke, you know, Ray Allen's three-point record and stuff like that in the finals. And this was uh, uh, maybe a few years ago just talking with him. And I said, hey, uh, do you ever get nervous like when you play? Like, what is that? What is that process like? I mean, you play at the highest level. You played against literally, you know, some of the most historic moments in basketball history, legendary. You know, what was what was your journey like, you know, in those moments and thinking about where you're going? Like, does that make you nervous? And he said, I'll never forget it because it, you know, comforts me still to this day, especially before a game. Um, he said, 
hell yeah, I get nervous. <laughs> like, that was his quick, quick response. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Because, uh, I mean, I look up to him. He's my older cousin. Always have, always will. And he's a high-performing player. He won three NBA champion championships on three different teams as a significant um, role player, uh, 3 and D player. So he told me, like, yes, I get nervous. Um, but the thing is about ner- nervous is you either have a chance to let it cripple you or empower you um, to great things. Nervous energy is actually something that everyone gets. It's just something that they have the ability or the power over um, how to use it. He's like, I've talked to LeBron. LeBron gets nervous. I talked to D Wade. Those Tim Duncan. Everyone's get. Everyone gets nervous. But he told me that the this may be a little secret sauce thing. But like he told me, in order to make those nervous feelings or those feelings of uncertainty and man, is this gonna work out? Work out for your favor is what you do before. So like. Um, he was telling me it's just like bench pressing. So on testing day or something like that, just to test how like strong you actually are, um, just like a game is, or just like a moment is if you haven't done anything before that, like no matter what, even if you do get the nervous energy, you're not going to be able to perform like, you know, excel your performance, um, because you just haven't trained your body, you haven't trained your mind. But if you do the opposite and you push yourself over and over again, that nervous energy is actually going to make you a greater player. So you could say like some of the best players like MJ or LeBron, you know, in those big time moments, Kyrie Irving hitting the shot, Steph Curry, like their nervous energy has actually made them like and propelled them to have some of the best moments in their career because of the work that they put in before. And he's like, that's the only way, you know, it kind of works out in his, in his mind. So I was always inspired by that. And uh, I think it's pretty simple to, to apply to your life is to keep in mind, like when you do get these nervous feelings, think back on before they before we sing like the national anthem, before we play, I always um, like either either as it's being sung or before I just think about everything that I've done practice all week, like every extra thing that I did when no one was watching and just let that deposit into me and transform that like nervous energy into I'm prepared and I'm about to go out and have a lot of fun out here. Um, and so that, that's just one thing that I wanted to add about closing that loop, man. And, and I just want to encourage anyone who listens to this and even myself, um, speaking to myself in this matter too, don't worry about, you know, the moment, just focus on the work that you put before it. So appreciate you guys, man. It was awesome. Dude, appreciate, you. appreciate you, brother.